Welcome to Healing Generations, a podcast creating a dialogue uplifting the importance of healing, strengthening, and supporting our communities, and that addresses the disparities and inequities in communities of color. Healing Generations is brought to you by the Healing Generations Institute, a collaborative initiative of the National Compadres Network and the Brotherhood of Elders. Be sure to subscribe to stay up to date on our new releases. So I want to say welcome to uh, all of you listeners today. My name is Jerry Teo with the National Compadres Network, and I want to welcome you to this um, Healing Generations podcast, part of the Healing Generation Institute, along with the Brotherhood of Elders. I want to thank you for, uh, for joining us today. And as we begin in our traditional way, I want to thank Creator and uh, thank those ancestors, all the ancestors that have come before, that have made it possible for us to be here and share the lessons and you know, carried those those uh, teachings and carried the, the the wounds and carried all those issues. I want to invite those ancestors to come in, and as we do that, I want to welcome you and welcome your ancestors. You know, whatever lineage you come from, whatever roots you may have, two, three, four roots. Bring them all in. Mm. Bring all those ancestors in you know, that way. And you know, and and speaking of those those traditions and those ways, you know, I'm uh, really really happy, really glad, I feel fortunate, blessed today to have a really good friend, a compadre. I consider him a brother. You know, we've a colleague as well in that professional sense, but uh, but really a, a camarada, a homie, a wisdom keeper. You know, yeah. uh, I'm speaking about Armando Lawrence. And uh, and Armando, you know, has been around for a while. You know, I'm not giving age, but he's been around for a while and, <laughs> and been walking, uh, you know, this good road for a long time. Um, Armando is, you know, wisdom keeper, carries a lot of teaching, knows a lot of stories. You know, you sit with him, he'll tell you a lot of stories about a lot of places he's been, mm-hmm. you know, that uh, that he's walked and learned. And, and, you know, and he's in that process of, of uh, now of guiding many, many people. Uh, the tremendous work that he does, working with fathers, working with uh, incarcerated men, work with young boys, but working with community as well, you know. And so I uh, just want to welcome you, Armando, you know, and give you the opportunity to welcome the listeners today. Oh, thank you very much, brother. Uh, much appreciated, Jerry. And uh, welcome to everyone that's uh, listening to this now. Um, I thank you for being part of this, for opening up your ears and your hearts and your spirits to uh, these palabras, these words. And uh, I just hope I can share something that that means something to someone. Mm-hmm. Thank you, brother. You know. The way we always do, you know, the, uh, but about uh, and even in the radio, who are you? Where are you from? You know, uh, mm-hmm. <laughs> but the elders would do that too. Yeah. You know, the elders would when they would greet you, was the the quién eres? Who are you from? Who are your people? You know, who's your grandma? Who's your mm-hmm. grandpa? You know, what are you? And so I want to begin that way by just saying, you know, Armando, tell us a little bit about your people, your journey, mm-hmm. your lineage, uh, where you're from, so uh, the audience can feel that spirit that way. Andale, gracias, Jerry. Um, so, I was born in uh, 1953 in uh, Boyle Heights, <laughs> and uh, so that some hint out there might know, I was born on Winter Street in Vermont, which was right down the two, three blocks from Manuel's at Tepeyac, right there in Evergreen. Awesome, big burrito there, man. <laughs> yeah, oh, yeah, yeah, the Hollenbeck Special, you know, and that's the uh, the Wabash Evergreen area of Boyle Heights, and... Um, I was uh, named by my parents, Armando Enrique Lawrence Jr. Jr. because my dad's Armando. So I was named after him. 
and Enrique for his father and his grandfather. Mm. Um, Lawrence, of course, that comes from my father's side. Um, my father's from a mining town in Sonora mm. that uh, near the Arizona border. So it attracted a lot of miners from the United States. And so there, there's a number of folks from my dad's pueblo that are mixed with uh, gringos, with white folk, with uh, English, Irish, Germans. Mm. And so that's how I end up with my last name, Lawrence. And my mom, she was born in East LA too, mm. uh, under the 4th Street Bridge, near the 4th Street Bridge <laughs> is where she lived as a little girl. And that, I, that's the 4th Street Bridge is right there by Indiana yeah. and Lorena. And um, my mom's uh, background is my abuelos, my grandpa being a Manuel Vargas, mi abuelito, who came from, uh, I keep getting mixed up. He was either born in Chihuahua, Chihuahua, or Paral, Chihuahua. Mm -hmm. There's a connection to the both Pueblos mm -hmm. family. The Vargas family was in both locations. Mm -hmm. My uh, abuelo was caught up in the Mexican Revolution. Uh, mm -hmm. He was a university man before that. Wow. As a child, he was, um, his father was a musician, and that's how he made his living. And uh, in those days, from what I understand from my abuelito, is that uh, his father had to take him around to different parties, fiestas, and whatever, and street corners, and play music and try to make money. And mm. at five years old, my abuelo would accompany him and start to train him into learning to play music. And, uh, you know, because of the revolution, uh, my grandfather's university days ended. Mm. He was not able to graduate and collect a degree. But he was considered a master musician. He knew seven instruments. Wow. Uh, cello, mandolin, guitar, piano. Violin was his favorite. Uh, he loved to play waltz music. As he puts it, that was the music of Mexico before mariachis. Mm -hmm. um, uh, he, he was part of the, the revolution. He was uh, part of the viistas. Uh, he ended up in uh, Juarez and, uh, and eventually El Paso. Uh, and he met my grandmother, my abuela. She was a refugee from Zacatecas. Mm. Her family uh, are the Muñoz para uh, Vasquez de Mercado. Now, they, they had some land. And uh, apparently the land belonged to the local native tribe mm. who during the revolution took the land back mm. and left my uh, abuela and her family a, a landless, uh, homeless. And because of the revolution, they had to leave. Right. Uh, my abuela was not very supportive of the revolution. Yeah. And, uh, but in any case, they, her and her mom and her brothers, 14 brothers, um, walked north with other refugees. And, and uh, somewhere in Chihuahua, Chihuahua, she met my abuelo. And then they reconnected in Juarez and El Paso. Mm. Uh, there's there's many more stories, and I can't tell them all because I'll, I'll I'll be here all afternoon. <laughs> but uh, my abuelo hooked up with my abuela, and from there they uh, came to LA. Mm -hmm. um, what I will say is they had to leave. They felt they had to leave because my abuelo was already married. Oh, he had married a a, a woman that. In those days, tradition was uh, he was in love with a, a woman that had two sisters, and the eldest sister had not been married yet. 
So the, uh, the father-in-law-to-be would not uh, consent to a marriage until the eldest daughter was married. Mm. So the, uh, the father-in-law consented one day to the marriage. And at the wedding, because in those days, I think the velos that the women wore right, the veils, yeah. were very thick and hid their face. And when it was time for him to kiss his, his bride, his wife, uh, it was the oldest sister. Oh, it was my not. Gosh. It was not the sister of the woman that he was in love with. Are you serious? Whoa! So he was disheartened. He was upset. Mm. He wanted to break the marriage, but in those days you couldn't do that. Mm. He ended up uh, in time siring two children. Mm. My my uh, tío and my tía, my tío Manuel and my tía uh, Dora. And my tía Dora, from what I understand, is still alive in Juarez. Probably in her 90s at this point. But uh, then he reconnected with my abuela. He met her. They Turns out in El Paso, they were uh, working a, a block away from each other. Mm-hmm. They connected and they came to LA to start a family. And so I'm a product of that. Uh, <laughs> and what's your mom's name? My mom's name is, I'm sorry, my mom is Olivia uh, Vargas. And uh, the full would be um, Olivia Vargas Lawrence. Vasquez de Mercado Muñoz Para. Wow, yeah. And I remember, uh, I, I know your mom. Yeah. And, and uh, you know, it's such a blessing to to know your mom and to be around her strong Thank woman. You. Thank you. You know, you, you could tell uh, she liked to dress and liked yeah. to look good. Her hair was always yeah. done and, you know, and, and just uh, a lot of energy. Yeah. A lot, a lot of fire. Your mom and and uh, you know the capacidad you know that I know she passed Gracias. and and, and uh, but you still have her in your heart you know mm-hmm. and, oh yes you know and, and so so how did uh, Armando get get here I mean you know you, you were born there and born in East LA but right, you know right. then then uh, what what school did you go to Well I started off uh, I, I spent one day in Evergreen Elementary but I cried so much my mom had to come and <laughs> pick me up and take me home she I was home. real. Uh, <laughs> Chipilon, you know, I was real, I was real pegado with my mom, and uh, you know, uh, we had this real strong connection, mm. and for a variety of reasons, yeah. and uh, but man, I just, man, I didn't want to be away from her yeah. as a little boy, right? But I had to consent after I came home and I cried. My my parents talked to me. You you have to go yeah. to school, <laughs> yeah. so they took me to a different school. They took me the other direction to Malabar. Mm-hmm. And I was there for a year in, in a, a kindergarten, and then my my parents had me go to Assumption Catholic School, oh, okay. which is right there next to Manuel's yeah. at Tepeyac. Yeah, I went there for a year and a half. Very uh, unfortunately, very horrible experience with mm. the monja, mm. the the uh, the nuns. Uh. Yeah, she didn't uh, for for some reason she really had it in for me. She uh, kind of. I guess you could say victimized me and another guy in class who happened to end up becoming my best friend, Marty. Mm-hmm. She attacked Marty in front of the class for being very dark. Mm. And she said, uh, we had, there was a, a black girl in our class. And she says, well, black people are born that way, but dark Mexicans are dark because they're dirty, because mm. they don't wash. Wow. Um, and the monja went on to say that uh, she was a, a gringa, a white lady uh, from Texas and that they hated Mexicans. Mm. And that was her experience right. with Mexicans. And, and in my case, she, she you know, soy huero, right? I'm real huero looking. And she said that I was trying to pass mm. as, a, as a gringo, but I'm not. I don't know, I'm a little kid, seven years old, yeah. and she's saying all this stuff. And uh, wow. 
Uh, she physically abused me, verbally abused me. She terrorized me the whole year. Uh, back in those days, too, even though we were in East L.A., they didn't allow us to bring Mexican food for lunch. Mm -hmm. But my mom would insist. She was very proud about her food. And yeah. She would make me burritos, and the, the nun would come and grab the burritos out of my hand and throw them in the trash. Mm -hmm. And uh, so yeah, it was a real rough experience. Yeah, yeah. You know, I, I, I appreciate you sharing that, Mando, because I don't think, you know, I mean, that wasn't that long ago. And, and I don't think people realize that, because you know, I, as I hear you talk about it, I hear your feelings. Yeah. It's still with you. Oh, yeah. And people don't realize that, you know, those experiences, you know, we grew up in families. We see sometimes our dads are real hard or our moms are, you know, yeah. a certain way or moody or our grandparents are a certain mm -hmm. way. And, you know, we say, damn, why are they like that? Or you think, well, that's, that must be cultural. It must be the machismo. Yeah. must be, and don't realize, understand that that's pain. Yeah. That's the shame that has been put in us. That's the struggle that, you know, that we've had to go through that we never had a chance. And even if we had a chance to heal it, even though, we, you know, many of us have done a lot of healing. When we talk about it again, yeah. it's still there. When we see it happen to our people again, yes. it's still there that way, you know, mm. so. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah so, very uh, true. So, and you, what high school did you go to? Well, I went to Alhambra High School because by this time uh, we had moved from uh, East LA to Monterey Park. Okay. Went to a real good school, but I always struggled in school, you mm -hmm. know? Yeah. Um, I was not uh, good in a scholarly way. Yeah. Um, but I ended up going to Alhambra High School, and that's where it's like uh, the pedal to the middle mm. met, and I could not produce. I was lost. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. uh, I could not keep up. Uh, the stuff went right over my head. Mm. And um, I flunked for uh, freshman year. Mm. Um, I was supposed to report to continuation school, but um, I have a tia on my dad's side, my dad's sister, very strong lady. She's passed now, my, my tia Ophelia Briceño. And her, her sons, my primos, mm. were attending Cantwell Catholic High School oh. in Marabello, East LA, right. borderline. And she goes, you know, mijo, I want to help you out because I could tell you're going to get lost in continuation. Mm. And so she set up a meeting. She took me to the meeting to meet with the head brother of Cantwell. And I thought, okay, you know, this was, you have to remember, this is what, 1968, 69? Yeah, yeah. There's the East LA walkouts. There's the hippies. There's demonstrations. My dad's in the Chicano movement. And so, you know civil what? Civil rights movement. All civil over. rights. And, and you know what? I want to grow my hair long. Mm. You know, I, even at, at the public school, we were pushing it, right? Yeah. Trying to dress the way we want to dress and rebellion and yeah. trying to be who we are, but it kind of maybe in a misguided way. Yeah. And uh, Cantwell, they wear ties. They have to wear their hair really <laughs> short. I had that ugly experience with the nun when I was little. I know that they could be un poco bruto in, right. in, in the Catholic schools. But what, what am I going to do? Go to continuation. I knew too. In continuation, I would really sink. Yeah. There's no way I would graduate. Yeah. What would I get caught up with? Yeah. Drugs, gangs, uh, stoners. Mm -hmm. I mean, I don't know. So I said, okay, I'm going to go. But I had an attitude. Yeah. My tia went in and talked to the brother. Came out. Okay, you can go in and talk to him. I went in. He asked me a few questions. And within a few questions, he summed it up. He says, you know, young man, I think you're a good guy, but for whatever reason, you got a you got an attitude. Mm. And he says, you know what? We usually administer a test to get in. I'm not going to give you a test. I'm going to let you come mm, in. Mm. The test is going to see if you can make it within the first three months. 
because you know, to tell you the truth, I'm afraid of your tia. Hmm. Yeah, he didn't speak <laughs> Spanish, but he said tia. I'm afraid of your tia. Yeah. He says, so I'll let you have the joy of making her happy or disappointing her. Wow. And I said, whoa. Mm-hmm. I had a lot of mixed feelings, but deep down inside, I knew this man is speaking some wisdom, some truth. Right. And I need to swallow mm-hmm. this truth. I need to take this opportunity. I'm not going to disappoint my tia. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to disappoint my mom and dad. I've been given a second opportunity. How I'm going to do it? Yeah. Flunking from public school and Catholic schools more advanced? I don't know. Mm-hmm. I just said a prayer and I go, vamonos, let's go. Let's see what happens. Yeah. You know, so did you graduate? I graduated. <laughs> uh, I'm not going to say I got A's and B's, yeah. but I graduated. Yeah, yeah. and that was tough too. Yeah, um, but I graduated, and what I also like to tell people is I, I made lifelong friends there mm-hmm. because it was a small school. Yeah, there was a lot of focus on each and every one of us. Mm-hmm. At Alhambra, I was lost. Yeah, there was five thousand students in the freshman year, or in the whole school, five hundred in the freshman class. At Cantwell, there was 500 students in the whole school. Mm. So I got a lot of individualized (laughs) attention from the teachers. And I'm going to tell you another magic. Uh, Maybe not so much with the brothers, although some of the younger brothers were pretty interesting. But maybe because of the times, they didn't have to follow curriculums the way they did in public school. They were a little more free. Religion class... The whole time I was there, we never talked about religion. It was always about what's going on in society, mm. all the turmoil that was happening, civil right. rights, demonstrations, all the changes going on. That's what our discussions were about. Wow. Uh, and the lay teachers, I guess I came in in a magical moment. And I'm sorry if I'm going on with this, no, but no, my okay. point is that the administration, because of the times, had a very negative relationship with my cousin's class, which he was a class of 70. Not that they were student radicals, but maybe because of the times, they just butt heads. Mm-hmm. They didn't even get a, they didn't get a, uh, what would they call that? The graduation mm-hmm. uh, uh, dance and yeah, uh, yeah, right. homecoming, or, you know, they didn't get any of that. They didn't get to go to Disneyland right. like a lot of their <laughs> high school. They didn't get any of that. So the brothers were trying to find some lay teachers that could work with us. Mm-hmm. Well, they brought in some Irish and Mexican-American teachers that were roughnecks when they were teenagers. Mm. But had um, they had redeemed themselves, so to speak. They got into a program where they went to ELAC in the early 60s, mm-hmm. East LA uh, Community oh, College. Yeah. And uh, they became coaches. Mm-hmm. They learned to become health teachers and other things. Yeah. So those were my teachers. And those teachers were so creative, harsh. But you know, know, it's kind of different when you have all boys. It was an all boys school. They they played up on that masculine Mm -hmm. energy. And, you know, some of it maybe might not be that positive today. And yet there was a positivity. There was a brotherhood that you felt. And they helped instill that in us. They helped groom that in us. Yeah. they were creative in the way they taught. Yeah. And it, it, it was a great experience. And I think all those things helped me yeah. Yeah. to get out of whatever and into, I'm going to graduate. Mm. I'm going to make it. Mm. And I did. Wow. You know, as you're talking, I'm, I'm, because, you know, we've worked together for a long time. Right. 
And I see those very same creativity. I see, you know, the 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 way that you, you've worked with youth right. and the way you work with fathers and men, uh, I see that very mm-hmm. same spirit that, you know, that, that maybe got uh, mm-hmm. watered, you know, back then. I, I see the significance of relationships, you know, and I right. think that's the difference that people don't understand is that, you know, indigenous and, and, and mm-hmm. culturally rooted people, we thrive on relationships. Yes. You know, we get lost in all this in madness of so many people yeah. and technology and all of that, you know. And I know... Probably through there, there was a trajectory of you working different places and doing different things, you know. But what I want to ask you, because you know, you're you're an elder, brother, you, you, you and been Crushes. through a lot, and and you know, taught a lot and given a lot, you know. Um, what are those lessons? What are yeah. those life lessons that you learned along the way? Oh. You know, I mean, both good and bad. You know, the yeah. things that 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 you learned that that yeah. uh, that are important. But what are the lessons yeah. you learned about life? That you learned about people? That you learned about culture, about identity, about trauma, about he, what have you learned? What What is it you, 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 that helped you along that way? What did your family teach you, your people teach yeah. you? I think, I think, brother, I know the answer. It started with uh, my mom and dad, the familia. It started with uh, or continued with those special teachers I had in high school. Mm. The Chicano movement, American Indian movement, the ceremonies, and then with our grouping, National Combates Network, our brotherhood, mm-hmm. that we have a lugar, that we're important, that we mean something, mm. that we're meant to be here. I have a, a purpose. Yeah. I'm not just an F student. I'm not just on the margins. I count. Mm. I have valor. I have value. There's a purpose for me being here. Yeah. And part of that is to learn what is that purpose to understand it. And how do I touch others? How do I connect with others? Especially when I see others struggling with the same thing, feeling like they don't belong, like they've been pushed out, kicked out, uh, unwanted, like they have no valor, no no value in this in this life, and they do. We, we come from a sacred place. Mm. We were born in a sacred manner. Mm. We have a secret path. Unfortunately, the world we live in and the society we live in and sometimes the trauma in our familias, we don't see that. We don't connect with it. It's not instilled with it. We're not taught like in the ancestors that would guide you in that, yeah. helping you to connect with who you are, what your spirit is. Mm. What is your, your purpose in this life? What are your gifts, your talentos, your regalos? And when you don't come up with that, when you don't have that, and then when you're hit physically or, or verbally, called a burro, an idiot, where does that leave you? Yeah. Out in the cold, yeah. suffering. And so I felt that, and I could see that in others. I, I, I feel it when people are feeling that way. Mm. And my heart just wants to reach out. Yeah. You know, um, you point to some... Um, some very uh, profound things that mm. I think people take for granted. Because especially, you know, for us uh, indigenous and people of color and even our LGBTQ relatives that mm-hmm. in, in which society, in which systems, in which sometimes our own familias, right. you know, uh, because of their woundedness, uh, don't acknowledge and accept us. But but we live in a society, and I know you, I mean, you, you, you've been through it, brother, through the Chicano movement and what we're striving for. But also through your whole life of, of just 
having to validate that yeah. you have knowledge, mm. Mm. that you have wisdom, that you have teachings. You know, uh, you know, for me, I went to school and got my degree and everything, yeah. thinking that, okay, now that I got that, people were going to, you know, value me. Right. It doesn't work. It's just <laughs> not true. <laughs> they still look at who I am and my, right. my skin color, how I look, what I'm dressed in, you know. And I'm wondering how you navigated that, yeah. you know, because, you know, definitely you, you, when, when you talk to you, when you're with you, you, you understand you're, you know, you're, you're people from the corazón, you're, you're, mm-hmm. you're raza, you're, mm-hmm. you're, you know, an indigenous relative. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But looking at you, look, you look güero, you know. Right, right, <laughs> so, right, right. So, so I'm sure you have been mistaken, and and um, and people have misjudged you many, yeah. many times. How have you dealt with that dichotomy, that 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 uh, struggle between yeah. <laughs> those two yeah. two aspects of your what your spirit feels, and on yeah. the outside how people perceive you? You know, it's been part of my path. Mm. Now, as a kid, I struggled with it. I wondered why, why me. Mm. Uh, you know, my mom taught me to be very proud in being Mexican. She got that from her parents, being yeah. from Mexico. Yeah. My dad, being born in Mexico, taught me that. When I was little in, in Boyle Heights, I went to the store one day, and I got harassed by some other kids because I was like, they said, What's that? what are you doing here? This is not uh, gringo land. Mm. Well, I'm not a gringo. I miss. Well, speak Spanish. Well, my, my parents didn't teach me to speak Spanish. Mm. Not much. Because they were suffering from the from prejudice right. and racism because they spoke Spanish and had accents. Uh, so they didn't want me to suffer that. But worse, because I got it from the other radio kids, yeah. you know? Yeah. And I remember one day coming home when I'm, I'm little and I'm crying. My mom's in the store and I got into it with these kids and I get home. And my mom says, no, you're, you're, you're Mexican, you're Mexican-American. Your dad's going to talk to you about when he gets home. And he gets home and says, mijo, I'm Mexican, you're Mexican, you know? Or, wow, you're Mexican-American. Some people are going to call you pocho. What's that, dad? Well, it's not a good term, but you you belong. You're connected. Mm-hmm. He says, in fact, I'm going to tell you something. He says, we descend from a tribe called the Opata tribe from Sonora. Mm. He says, you're connected to that tribe. Mm. Wow, wow. But, he says, mijo, even other, me- other Mexicans may not understand that. Mm. It's best you just keep that within the family. Mm. But outside, Tell people you're Mexican and that you're proud to be Mexican. Then my dad becomes a real estate agent, starts doing well, and he moves us out of the body and we go to Monterey Park. Middle class. <laughs> I'm lost in this sea of white people. Yeah, again. Uh, yeah, I'm lost again. I'm on the margins again, but in a different way. Yeah. And I'm the Mexican kid, one or two or three of us in class, but I'm the light-skinned Mexican kid. Mm. So even the other two Mexican kids in class said, we don't know if you're really Mexican. <laughs> and white kids wanted to hang with me because I looked like kind of like them, but they always somehow knew. Why, my whole life, white people have always known. Maybe when I open my mouth, I don't know what it is, but you know, even today, hmm. white folks will inevitably say, Are you Mexican? Hmm. You know, they're, they're very important for them to kind of yeah. put me, categorize me that way. Um, but in, in, in school, I struggled, I, I struggled with. That in betweenness, being in between worlds. Yeah, uh, I'm a pocho. I don't accept the word, but you know, I know that my own hint they categorize me that way. Family from Mexico categorize. Well, you need to at least speak Spanish, mijo. Well, but my, that's up to my parents. They didn't teach me what. Mm. You know, so I'm always in between my whole life. Yeah, the teachers in Monterey Park in the elementary schools would always tell me, you know, Armando, you could make it, but you have to stop being so 
they would either tell me, stop being so Mexican in my ways or in my heart. Mm. I had one teacher tell me, he says, you know, I grew up around Mexicans. You guys are very much in your heart. It's beautiful, but that's not going to help you in this society. Mm. You need to be in your head. Forget the heart. Forget yeah. your Mexican culture yeah. so you can succeed. Uh, and I, I just couldn't even conceive of that. Right, right. So, so I, you know, I struggled with that his, yeah. issue my whole life. But what my parents gave me, it's in my heart. Mi corazón, mm. right? Mm. And I also had, I would say, mystical experiences, dreams as a child that just went out, let go of me. They connected me mm -hmm. to my indigenous roots. Yeah. And I always stayed true to those, tried to yeah. the best I could. But yeah, it, it's, yeah. it's been a it's been a, a struggle. <laughs> but you know, I feel comfortable with our gente. Yeah. And uh, I'm not putting white people down, but their culture is not my culture. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I do not feel comfortable there. Well, you know, you mentioned on the margins, right? And right. On the edge. And and uh that's how I um how I knew you, how mm -hmm. I know you. You work with people on the edge. Yeah. You work with people on the margins. You know, or work before at Bienvenidos, you're working with youth that were on the edge of getting incarcerated or kicked out of school or, you know, in drugs and violence and right. batters and gangs. You know, you work with men that were on the edge of getting kicked out of their family and ostracized. Right. You, right. you now also work with men that are incarcerated. Yeah. And and they're right on the margins of, of whether they're going to, you know, return to society and be fathers and partners and part of the society or whether they're going to stay exactly. locked up forever, you know. Right. So, you know, so maybe those teachings and that journey were, you know, were part of, you know, that. And I think that the other thing is in terms of your identity, you know, that's a that's a. An ongoing question for all of us. Who are you? Can yeah. it is, right? <laughs> you know, and, and regardless of how we look, that's a question that this society asks us every day, makes us prove our value. Yes. Even, you know, and you as an elder, you know, you, you shouldn't have to prove anything mm -hmm. with all that you've done and all that you've given and the way that you've carried yourself and the number of people that you've, you shouldn't have to prove anything, Right. right? But right. we still do, even but as we hit us, yeah. we still do. You know, so I wonder if you can tell us a little bit about your work that you're doing now. I know you're some, doing some work at the East Delhi Women's Center and also in the prisons, and you're doing some work with the compadres, and you've worked with our fatherhood and, our, you know, Juan right. Noble and all of that. Right. I wonder if you could talk a little bit about, about that work and why yeah. you do that work and, you know. Well, you know, uh, so I'm still doing uh, uh, the fatherhood work. Mm -hmm. Culturally based, yeah. as we have learned and been taught through the National Compadres Network. Mm -hmm. And right now we're doing it through the East LA Women's Center. Mm -hmm. Great opportunity. Yeah. I, I love it. I love my work. I don't know how many people can say they love their work. Mm -hmm. I love my work. Mm -hmm. uh, I love reaching out to others. And in this case, con hombres. Uh, I love sharing with them about being connected. Being connected to who we are. Mm -hmm. in our hearts and in our spirits, our, to being connected to our ancestors, learning the positive lessons, because it hasn't all been positive because mm -hmm. of trauma, mm -hmm. and also being connected to who's coming after us, to mm -hmm. the children mm -hmm. and their children. And that as I, I grow and learn about myself, that's going to help me become a good dad, a better dad, a good teacher to my children, a, a, a man who can abrazar his kids. Mm -hmm. With his heart. Yeah. I also help lead the talking circle in East LA. Yeah. Where many men have an opportunity to come and just share what's going on with them. Mm -hmm. 
sometimes it's real painful. Yeah. Tear jerking experiences and stories and pain that they carry, trauma. And sometimes a lot of beauty too. Yeah. A lot of good positive teachings. And so I just help lead it. Me and my brother Ozzy. We just help lead it, guide it. Been real interesting doing it this past year on Zoom. <laughs> Can't do it like the way we did it when we met in right. the same area together. Mm -hmm. But the spirit is still there. Yeah. And so those are beautiful experiences that men can gather that way. Abrazo, mm -hmm. abrazo, yeah. helping, helping each other move forward. Mm. And I've taken these teaching, these ceremonial, cultural traditions, healing ways with me as I worked in the prisons. Mm. In the prisons, I've been doing two programs. One's called the Insight Garden Program, which is about planning and learning about gardening, but it also has a double side to it, another side to it, personal development, right. your personal garden. Well, I know a little bit about that, yeah. so I bring that in there, and I always bring in our cultural uh, approach to who we are. Um, I'd like to say one thing about that. The program is designed by uh, Güeros, by a uh, by white folks and good good people, really good people. Yeah. But as liberal as they are, because of our society, I, I can sense a lot of them still come from the head, yeah. from the intellect. They're trying to get into the heart, but it wasn't their way, yeah. their way they were shown or taught. They're trying. Uh, God bless them. Mm -hmm. uh, but I try to bring that in, right. into our program. So like, the, the, for instance, they'll have a habit of, Diversity, diversity, diversity. There's a worry about if I stand up for who I am and who you are, that there's that we're at odds with each other. Mm -hmm. And I tell them, that's not the case at all. I go, look at that garden. That garden is diverse. Yes, you're right. It's diverse, but there's another duality that's going on there too. The diversity works because each plant knows who it is. Mm -hmm. Some plants grow next to each other because they that's the relationship they need. Some need to be at opposite end of the gardens. Mm -hmm. And they understand that. Imagine if us human beings could understand that. <laughs> it's not a bad thing. It's just yeah. some plants will kill, yeah, <laughs> kill yeah. themselves. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Next, they'll strangle each other. Yeah, yeah. You know, and they work well in the garden because they understand who they are. Right. I go, so I can connect with the others too, but I need to. Be solid in who I am. Mm. I need to be strong in my roots and who I am, what I'm about, right. what my past, my present, and my future are about. Mm -hmm. Then I can, as I understand you, you understand me, we can find how we can work together. Mm. So I, I bring that. Yeah. And I bring some talking circle every now and then to that program. The other program I do is called the Creating a Healing Society. It deals with child, childhood trauma. Mm -hmm. Very good program. And of course, again, yeah. I bring in our cultural approach, our right. cultural understanding, right. spiritual understanding. I've done some talking circles for them. And I remind the brothers that I work with, with all the trauma they, they've had in their life. And I've heard, uh, brother, I've heard some serious mm. pain in their own talking circles where they open up and they privileged me with allowing me to be there as they share their deep, deep wounds, mm. horrible things that happened to them growing up. I mean, just ugly, ugly. Mm. And how they have had the power to forgive wow. those who have done these things to them. And I, I was in one group one day and, and they asked me, Armando, do you have anybody you need to forgive? I go, well, you know, I, I, and then I stopped. 
Yeah, there's an old homeboy. Mm. Did me and my family wrong. And I got to admit to you guys, I haven't forgiven him. Mm. Is it as terrible as the stories you've heard us share? No, it's not. Can you forgive? And I told him, I said, I think I need to. I need to learn how to do that. Mm. I haven't crossed that bridge. And you men have. You've shown me the way. Because uh, you know as well I, as I do, brother, the people we work with, the men we work with, they're teachers too. That's right. And they taught me some powerful lessons. Mm -hmm. And in turn, they give me my place. They ask me, Armando, share some native teachings you know. Share, share some ceremonial teachings. Tell us about Chicanos. Mm. Uh, you know, it's real interesting. The African-Americans in there that learn, they really read up. Yeah. They, they say, what part of East LA are you from? Were you born? <laughs> Do you know Manuel's at Tepeyac? Do you know the Mariachi Plaza? These guys, they <laughs> yeah, educate yeah. themselves. Yeah, yeah. You know, so I bring in that talking circle. I bring in that healing circle. Mm -hmm. So it isn't just talk and teaching, but we can actually go through experiences that help us to heal mm. in our hearts. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's beautiful. You know what I mean? And, and you know... Um, you know, we could be here hours just talking yeah. about the work yeah. because, you know, I, I remember uh, when we worked at Bienvenidos, you worked right. in Joven Noble, and you're right. still doing that. You still you still have those teachings with you. And, you know, you know, and so your your journey is vast and, and there's so many, you know, uh, ways that, you know, I know there's another part that is, it's not really another part, it's a connected part, but it's a very strong part of all of us, but a strong part of you, and that's your ceremony. Yeah. That's that's the medicine that, that you know... Um, you live uh, living these these ceremonial ways, this this you know red road and all of that. Uh, I wonder if you can share with me just maybe one teaching. What you learned from that? What 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 does that give you? And what is how? Why is that important? Um, we're all related. Mm. We're all connected. We're and we're related beyond human beings. We're related to the uh, the environment, the planet, the Mother Earth, the sky, the water. Everything is a living thing. Mm. in this life, even the rocks. Mm. And we're all related. We're all connected. We need to take care of those relationships. Yeah. We need to foster those relationships. Yeah. We need to deepen those relationships. Yeah. As we do that, I feed myself. Mm. I feed my spirit, my wow. heart when wow. I do that. Yeah. I think those are... Yeah. Simple teachings that we need to remember. Uh, you know, I mean, and, and it seems simple, but it's so profound yeah. because, you know, we're dealing right now with, during this pandemic, there's a lot of people that are struggling with depression, with anxiety, right. with suicide uh, yes. thoughts. You know, and, and many of them say, I feel alone. Yes. Right? I feel alone. I feel disconnected. And, you know, and part of that is because this society teaches you that unless you're with somebody else that you can vibe with or bond with or connect, then you're alone. And, and in a recent circle that I was doing, there was a sister there that says, you know, um, for many years I felt alone because mm -hmm. I was traumatized and I didn't want to let people in and all of that. Right. She says, but it was interesting because when I went to the ocean, I didn't feel alone. Mm. And I went in my garden, I didn't feel alone. And when I went uh, to the sequoias, I didn't feel alone. Mm. Says and and when I began walking these ceremonial ways and realizing that grandfather son is always comes up every day that that we sit yes. on Mother Earth all the time and she allows us to lay on her especially when we need to rest when we need to heal mm -hmm. 
Mm-hmm. And when you bring that different perspective in that, uh, you know, that, that our indigenous relatives have taught us for generations, then we see that we're not alone. We are right. interconnected, right? right? And, and of course, it's important to be connected with, with good people too, but uh, that interconnection goes much deeper. And so I appreciate that teaching because it's, right. it's very profound and it's really needed right now. Because a lot of people feel alone because they haven't been able to get out or see their relatives and all of yes. that. And, and that's necessary. It definitely is necessary, you know. You know but, but Zooming is really different than un abrazo, yeah. a hug, right. and, and being in person with somebody, you know. You know, so as, as we wrap this one up, um, I, I was wondering if you could um, give some, some counsel, some advice. You know, as an elder, someone's walked a long way. We, you know, we always wanted to, you know, share something, especially for that next generation, you know. So if you think about the 18-year-old Armando or the 25-year-old Armando that was looking for a way, and we have a lot of young people that, that definitely teach us but are looking to us too, you know, for some guidance. We, we hope that they don't have to go through what we went through. We hope that they have some teachings where they don't need to go off the path and struggle maybe the way that we did. Uh, what what kind of counsel or advice would you give that next generation that uh, that you wish you would have heard or that somebody would have told you? Well, you know, I think I did get some good teachings, mm. but I think I um, <laughs> fulfilled what I was told. Mm. And I, I, the main one I'm going to say is my father. Mijo, as you get older, and I was uh, maybe about 14, uh, there's going to come a time where you're going to think you know everything. Mm. And he says, I, I, in my 20s, realized I don't. He says, but you're going to come across that. It's going to happen. And I kept saying, no, I won't. I'm going to remember the palabras of my dad. But <laughs> yeah. it happened. Yeah. And I got rooted in thinking, I, I got the world. I got the world right here. And I understand basically what's going on. And I thought I knew everything. And because I was politically advanced, learning activism and about the world and i think one day around maybe i was 26 27 that late it hit me i don't know crap Mm. i my dad was absolutely right Mm. i didn't know much and i said i had to back up okay i know a little bit i know something first thing i know is the teachings my parents gave me Mm. i need to connect with those now i have to sort out the negative and the and the positive because yeah. they had their own trauma too, yeah. and so that took time to sort that out. What what is positive in their teachings? But I, I can't dismiss my parents, my widows, my those who came before me. They left a lot of powerful teachings, even the negative teachings. I may have to deepen my understanding of life to understand mm. why those things happened, what happened, why they did what they did, mm. to gain wisdom, to gain understanding so i think we have a lot of good teachings around us but we have to do what we can to keep not only our minds open but our hearts open Ah. how do you do that when our world only teaches us to be in the head so uh, are grateful to our tolteca ancestors when they taught us about god and corazon Mm -hmm. and being in balance walking in balance the face and heart face and heart learning to be in the mind and the heart and seek a balance and then the bottom line for me is that life is sacred and we're part of life. We're mm. sacred. Mm. We were born sacred. And especially the hombres. Yeah. Hombres, because the society give that up at an early age and do not see themselves as sacred. And see, somos sagrados. We are sacred. 
the women, the children, the elders. We just need to return to that truth mm. uh, and rediscover our sacredness mm-hmm. and use that. We're part of creation, so we create. But what are we creating? Are we creating a, a, a living hell or a, a heaven? Uh, it's up to us. Yeah. But that's why we need to work together to mm. make that make that happen. Yeah. That's beautiful, brother. And, and, and as you're talking, I'm thinking that, you know, Grandfather son comes up every morning mm. and, and gets that medicine from Grandmother Moon, that male and female energy, yeah. and shines a light on us and doesn't ask us, mm. did you do something stupid yesterday? Did you? Mm. Da- no, still shines a light on us. And what right. it says that every day, Creator gives another chance yes. for us to live sacredness. Yes. We are already sacred, but it's our choice whether we live right. sacredness. Right. And that's the journey. You know, and that's uh, the reason why I have so much gratitude for you, mm-hmm. because you've helped so many people to, first of all, see their sacredness, and to water their sacredness, and and you've been, you know, through those roads and helping people from their wounds, coming from that darkness and breathing hope into mm-hmm. them, mm-hmm. right, mm-hmm. and and you know, oh. and and your gentle spirit, mm-hmm. you know, really is medicine. Uh, your gentle ways really is medicine. Your humbleness, you know, really mm. is medicine for, for many people that don't think they know anything. Mm. And so I want to thank you. Mm. Thank your, your, your mom and your dad. Mm. Thank your abuelos, your ancestors. But thank all thank your you. teachers Gracias. that have come along the way to put Armando in this world mm. and on this path and to you know, put you in my life mm. as a brother, as a compadre, as, you know, a fellow uh, person that's journeying mm. on this way. You know, I, I um, want to just, as we conclude today, you know, ask you all to, to really think about these teachings, you know, and Brother Armando talks about the sacredness, you know, that all of us carry. And I really want to reach out to those people that are struggling, that maybe have done something that they feel ashamed or are difficult with. Of course, you got to do your work to heal that, but that doesn't take away your sacredness. And there's always people around that are... Uh, that can be put in your path. The medicine is there. We are interconnected to all our relations, but it starts with with us recognizing the sacredness of of everything. That enkloke that interconnected sacredness, and that you know our ancestors are around us. They're here, so I want to thank them for being here and guiding our platica today. I want to wish you blessings and and health and healing along the path. You know, and ask you, you know, to uh, continue listening to us, share this podcast with others, and send in some reviews. You know, what you uh, what you learned, what you gained, uh, and maybe others that you might want to hear from. Uh, this is Jerry Teo, and from the National Combatters Network Healing Generations Institute. And thank you very much. And uh, maybe you have a blessed, blessed day, Classical Man. For more information about Healing Generations and the Healing Generations Institute, visit nationalcompadresnetwork.org and be sure to subscribe to stay up to date with our new releases.